Amen. I'm going to say that again. Amen. Amen. I just want to thank you for worshiping the Lord. You can feel his presence in here, can't you? We're, we're talking about Christ, our, our coming king. And I don't know how far I'm going to get on this, but I, I will promise you this. Wherever we end, that's where we're going to pick up next week. Uh, if you would, turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, or if you have your Bible on your phone, uh, just turn to John chapter 4, if you would. I would be reading out of John chapter 4, verse, or John chapter 8, rather, verse 44. We're talking about Christ, our coming King. And, and I love this. We've already talked about Christ, our Savior, Christ, our Sanctifier, Christ, our Healer, and we're talking about Christ, our coming King. When we say that, what we mean is that Christ is going to come back. We talked about the, the rapture of the church two weeks ago where the Lord comes back for his saints. But there's going to be a time when the Lord comes back not for his saints but with his saints. And is going to establish a physical kingdom on this earth. You know what I like about that? There's no more... Uh, there, there is no more uh, Democrats, there's no more Republicans, there's no more liberals, there's no more conservatives, there's no more, uh, there's no more free enterprise, there's, there's no more Marxism, there's no more socialism, there's no more communism. It's all done away with. It's going to be a theocracy. And you say, what is a theocracy? That's when the king... Uh, establishes the rules and the rules, the law is established through spiritual value Jesus Christ will establish a theocracy and the great thing about it those uh, of us that have been blessed uh, when, in the, when he comes back for his church when he comes back with his church scripture says that we're going to be kings and priests civil and, and spiritual authority that will bring the world to Christ. Man, that's going to be an amazing time, isn't it? But there's something that stands in the way of that truth. There's some, there is a, a, a being that, that wants to blind the eyes of the people of this world. He wants to get and divert the eyes of Christians from the truth. That old devil, we're going to beat up on him today. Uh, Lord willing, when we get to there, we're going to show you where he started and where he ends up. He started high, he's ending low. Then we're going to talk about the church. We started low, we're ending high. We can wave goodbye to him. It's going to be a great day. So... Here's Jesus. In John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and they're giving Jesus a difficult time. They don't like the truth that Jesus is proclaiming. 
because it goes against their sensibilities. It, it, it flies in the face of their own theology. It challenges their life viewpoint, and it demands that they change their character and conduct, so therefore they do not like what Jesus stands for. You ever ran across somebody like that? I ran across one today, got up and looked in the mirror, and I said, hey, buddy, we're following Jesus. So here's Jesus' response to them in John chapter 8, verse 44. And I'm, I'm going to encourage you that if you have a Bible, I'm going to go through several scriptures. So if you want to write them down or if you want to take notes on your phone, I would ask not to use your microphone because it will get really confusing. Uh, but if you can type, just type in the, uh, the verse. And if you want a, a copy of this, I'll be glad to get it to you after service. John speaking, or, or Jesus rather speaking uh, to those Pharisees, he said, Notice how, how the, uh, Jesus is so concerned about their feelings. He said, you are of your father, the devil. Jesus would not make it in our culture today. He said, you are of the father, of the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because, listen to this, there is no truth in him. I want to say that again. There is no truth in him. If the devil said you have sinned too much and God cannot forgive you, you can take this to the bank. He's a liar. If the devil says you can't do it, you can do it. If the devil says it's impossible, it's possible. If the devil says anything, you can mark it down. He cannot tell the truth about anything. The only time I see that the devil tells the truth in Scripture is when Christ comes back and he says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There's going to be a day when the devil bows his knee to Christ and says, you are the Lord. Until then, he's a lying, dirty dog. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. Think about that. He speaks out of his own character. His character is vile. His character itself is deceit. It's a lie. It, he's, he's conjured up an, an image of who he is in his own imagination. And Jesus says, even what the devil believes about himself is a lie. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus points out two things in this passage of Scripture about your adversary. I want you to understand what your adversary is about. If you're, if you're a coach and you're going to go against another team, you watch 
film and, and video of, of the other team so you know what their players uh, do and, what, and, and you build a, a game plan based upon your understanding of the opposition because you want to win. And I want you to understand your opposition. I want you to understand the one that wrecks havoc in your life and in the lives of your children, in the lives of your family, in the lives of this world. I want you to understand him. I want to pull back that veil and that, that smoke and mirrors. And, and I want you to see the little man behind the curtain. Number one, Jesus said Satan is a murderer. A murderer simply means manslayer. His very nature is to destroy. Jesus said that the devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. When the devil promises to give you life and to give you freedom and to give you joy and to give you happiness, you can mark it down. He is lying, lying, lying because he has no joy, cannot give joy. He has no freedom and cannot give freedom. He cannot give blessing. He cannot give prosperity. The only thing he does is still and kill and destroy his nature his very entity is to destroy you don't believe the lies that he tells you don't look at the shiny objects that he puts in front of you his desire is to destroy you in my years when I have talked to those that, that are, are uh, devil worshipers and, and those that, that are involved in the occult, and, they, and they, I've actually had people tell me, well, I would rather spend eternity in hell with my friends than, than serve a God like your God. And, and, and I look at them, and I look at them with, with sorrow in my heart because I know that they have been deceived, that the devil does not love them, the devil does not admire them, the devil does not like them, the devil does not care about them. The only thing he wants to do is take humanity, God's creation, and bring it down into the pits of hell with him. He hates God, and he wants to destroy anything that God loves. He's out to destroy you. He's out to destroy your family. He's out to destroy your children. He's out to destroy your country. He's out to destroy this world. I'm trying. His desire is to kill, to annihilate, to mutilate, to exterminate, to eradicate you. Some of Satan's destructive activities. Job 1.12 says he afflicts God's people. He afflicts God's people. But he, in Job 1.12, he went to the Lord and said, 
Man, the only reason Job is doing any good is because you have a hedge of protection about him. If you take that hedge of protection about him, I'll inflict him and he'll curse you. The devil's desire is to bring affliction in your life, to, to bring you down, to torment your mind, to torment your spirit, to torment your very being. That, that he wants to get you so confused that up is down and right is wrong. And, and he wants to bind you and to oppress you and to get you in a tight little box. Bible says that he claims authority over the world. He didn't create the world. He has no authority in this world. Luke 4, 6. Devil came to Jesus and he said, he said this to Jesus. He said, I will give you all their authority and splendor. Talking about the, the kingdoms of the world. For it has been given me and I can give it to anyone I want to. He's lying. The kingdoms of this world have not been given to him. They are not his to give away. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to the Lord. When the devil comes to you and says, if you'll just forsake Christ, I will give you all these things. You need to look at him and say, you're, the li you're a liar. You're the father of all lies. You own nothing. My father owns all things. And if I go to him, he is a good father and he knows how to give good gifts to his children. Don't allow the adversary to try to come in and and, and, and try to afflict you or try to claim authority over your life. He'll try to come in and, and say that he, has, that he dominates and captivates you and, and holds you, and, but he does not. Acts 26, 18 says that the adversary tries to dominate and captivate sinners. Acts 26, 18 says to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. The adversary wants nothing better than to blind you. The adversary wants nothing better than to dominate you, to captivate you. In Mark chapter 5, we're told of a story of a man that lived in the tombs. He was a, the man from the Gadarene, and, and, and he lived in the tombs. He lived in a cemetery. Can you believe, can you imagine living in a cemetery? And the Bible says he was so full and possessed of the devil that, he, that the devil dominated him. He captivated him. He had him bound. And, and the Bible says that the, the people from, from the town would come and, and bind him with chains and with ropes, and he would just break them. And he was a wild man. He, he would throw himself in the fire. He would cut himself with stones. He was captivated and dominated by the adversary. You ever been held captive by a habit? Have you ever been held captive by a thought? Have you ever been held captive by something that continually rolls through your mind and rolls through your spirit? That's, the, that's how the devil works. He gets into your heart. He gets into your mind. 
He gets into your life and he promises all these great things. And then before long, you are his puppet. And this, this man that lived in the tombs, he just kind of jerked him around like a, like a yard dog. He just beat him and, 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 and the man had no hope. But the scripture says that Jesus came and when Jesus got off the ship and put his foot on the ground, the Bible says immediately that man came and worshipped him. Uh, I'm, this is not in the notes. This is all free, so don't worry about it. Uh, but I want you to understand that the, later on in the story, Jesus says, what's your name? And he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. This man had 2,000 plus devils in him, tormenting him, holding him captive in this life. And get this. Nobody else could help him. Nobody else could, could do anything. But when he saw Jesus, he came and worshiped. And Jesus set him free. You know what that tells me? Uh, if you're watching online, there's somebody that needs to hear this. It does not matter how many times you've tried to stop, how many times you've tried to quit, how many times you've tried to change, how many times that you have failed. It does not matter if you worship the Lord, he will set you free. Okay, I'm going back to my notes. The devil cannot dominate us. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that the devil blinds unbelievers' minds. He blinds them to the truth. He said the God of this age, small g, adversary, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The world looks at Jesus and and, and the adversary has blinded them through subtlety, through lies, through deceit. Some of them think that he was a good man. Some of them think that he was a prophet. Some of them think he was a liar. Some think that he never even existed, that he was a figment of people's imagination. But he has blinded them because none of those viewpoints will do any good for you until you see him as the visible image of the invisible God, that he is Christ, our Savior. He is fully God and fully man. And he is the only one that can redeem. He's the only one that can pardon. He is the only one that can deliver. He is the only one that can set free. He is the only one that can grant eternal life. He is the Almighty. God and the adversary has blinded many so don't, don't allow don't allow the, the philosophy of the world to darken your eyes Christ is coming back and he's coming back for a bride that has made themselves ready man that's going to be a great day isn't it Genesis 3, 4 tells us that the adversary not only blinds unbelievers' minds, but he tempts us to sin. He told Eve, he said, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. 
You know, here's what, I, here's what I found about the adversary. He lies, 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 lies. But have you ever noticed that the very best lie, the really good ones, are about 99.9% truth? They're almost true, but he changes a little bit. He'll change just a subtle thing to, to get you to fall, to tempt. The adversary likes to tempt us through the lust of the eyes, through the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Do you know why he tempts us? And I, and I alluded to this earlier at the beginning of the service is because God is the greatest power and force because he's the creator. God is love and love is, is amazing. And we look at the devil and we say he has to be the second greatest power, but he's not because it's the will of man because God is not going to make you serve him and the devil cannot make you serve him. That's why he tempts you through the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life because there's no way he can make you bow your knee to him. If you, if you bow your knee to, to the adversary, it's because you have given in to a temptation. That is the only reason. He does not have the power to get you to serve him. He tempts us to sin. The Bible says that he slanders the saints. In, in Job 1, 9 through 11, uh, and we'll talk about this later. It looks like it's going to be next week, maybe. But he... He's the prince in the power of the air. That he goes before God right now and accuses you. He slanders you. He calls you bad names. And he went before God when the, he says when the, when the children of God came before, the, before him and, and, and he came with them and, and, the, and God looked at him and said, Hey, have you considered my servant Job? And he said, man, the only reason uh, he serves you is because you have a hedge of protection about him. I can get him to, to stop. I can get him to stop. I can get him to curse you. Sometimes that, that he, he goes and, accuse, and, and goes before God and, and slanders you and says that you're no good. He goes before and accuses us. Revelation 12.10. Listen to this, Revelation 12, 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now you have come, now have, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren, the accuser, he accuses you, who accused them before God day and night. He goes before God and accuses you constantly. This is what he does. I, 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 I've been around long enough. I, I know his trick on this. He'll, he'll, he'll tempt you with something and say, boy, that, doesn't that look great? Yeah, that looks fantastic. You know, we live in grace. God will forgive you. Uh, and he does all these things and keeps getting it in your mind and it rolls over and over and over in your mind. Uh, and then 
when it gets from your mind and drops into your heart and you start having desire and then you, then you commit or you do or you say that which was in your heart and then you commit that sin, then he turns around instantly, not, not, a, not a day later, not a, a minute later, instantly. As soon as you do what he has been tempting you to do, he looks at you and says, Look at you, you dirty, dirty, rotten scoundrel. God hates you now. God despises you. That's the way the devil works. You have to remember he's a liar. If, he, if the devil comes to you and says, God hates you, you can take it to the bank. God loves you. And if, and if, and if, you, uh, if you're feeling like you have done something that God will never forgive you of, you can take it to the bank that, that that is a lie that God will pardon and forgive all sin. He died for all sinners. I, I always think it, it's somewhat humorous and, well, pastor's humor. You have to forgive me. When somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. I don't think God can forgive me. And I, and I almost start laughing. In fact, there's been a couple of times I have. And they said, why are you laughing at me? Why are you laughing at me? I said, well, if you had committed the unpardonable sin and God had pulled his, his spirit away from you, you would not be here. You would not have a guilty conscience. And as long as you have a guilty conscience, then, then God is willing to forgive and God is willing to pardon and God is willing to set you free. And God is uh, willing to allow you to walk on the street of gold. You got to remember, it's not about our goodness, it's about his. It's not about our faith, it's about, it's about him. It's not about our power, it's about his power. It's not about our ability to forgive sin, it's about his. And the devil always wants to make you think it's about you and what you've done and your inability. And it's not about what we've done. Paul said that we were once murderers and, and, and slanderers and, and, and devilers of flesh. He said, but now you're washed and now you're cleansed and now you're pardoned and now you're set free. Doesn't matter what you used to do. Matters what you're doing right now. Is Christ in your heart? He's our coming king. Where am I at? Ah, he accuses the saints. He afflicts disease. He sows tares. Sows tares. And in Matthew chapter 13, read, read that when you get home. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is talking about the wheat and the tares. And and, he, and he's saying that, that when the good seed of the gospel goes out, that, that the adversary throws tares. Tares are simply weeds. I thought California had weeds, and then I moved to Florida. Wow. Man, if I didn't have any weeds, I wouldn't have any yard. They're everywhere, they grow up overnight. It's incredible. You know, it, it, and it, it, it's amazing that, that the scripture says that where the, where the good seed has been sown and, and the wheat is growing, that the adversary comes in and throws tares in there, weeds that are in there together. And, and, 
And the Bible says in a place where they, where they said, would you, should I harvest? And they said, no, wait until everything is grown because if you start tearing out the tares, you're going to hurt the wheat. How does that a, apply to us? Well, I, I have heard people say, well, you know, I'd go to church, but, but there's, there's a hypocrite or two in there. And I, I would say, yeah, 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 there is. Any church anywhere. But you know what that tells me? If there's a couple of tares, there's a lot of good wheat. I don't, I don't try to take out the tares. I, I had a pastor that I served under, and there was uh, somebody that was just, was just gossiping all the time, and, and I just wanted, I was young, and I thought, let's go beat him over the head with the Bible. Let's do it. And he said, you know what? He said, here's what will happen. You can get that person to leave, but that spirit is going to stay in the church, and it will just attach to somebody else. He said, pray against the spirit, not against the person. You can correct the person, but your, spirit, your warfare is not physical. Sometimes you want it to be, but it's not. It's spiritual. It's through the pulling down of the strongholds of the enemy. That's where, that's where we have to take our stand. He sows tears. So if, if you are, well, this is free too. But man, we're just giving stuff away today. But if there, is, if there is somebody around you that you see that professes Christ and they're not living that life, man, pray for them. Don't, don't say, oh, I got to give up because that person over there. Then the devil has won. He has sucked all the virtue right out of you. Allow God to do an effective work in you. You know, just make sure that you're a, a good stock of wheat. He sows tares. He ruins human bodies and souls. He promises all these great things. And, and, then, and then you see a person that has given in. And, and you know, and drugs is one of the, the things that I think of. He promises people enlightenment through, through taking of drugs. And then you look at them ten five, ten years later, and they're decimated. Their bodies are destroyed. Because he hates us. He wants us to do everything that's contrary to the will of God. He wants to destroy us. All right, one, a couple more things, and I'm going to quit. That's, what, that's his motives about being a murderer. But the Bible also said, Jesus said he also lies. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's will, for he is a murderer from the beginning, and he is a liar. There is no truth found in him. He cannot tell the truth. He instigates sin. John 13, 2. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. He instigated the thought in Judas Iscariot's mind. He is the one that came to him and said, look at all of the stuff that, that, that Jesus has just thrown away. And he put it in his mind. Keep in mind that Judas was one of the twelve. 
I have seen a lot of good people do some really bad things when, when they are tempted to sin. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.12 that he wrestles against the saints. He fights, and he fights dirty. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. This is what, this is what I want to close with. So, so Chad, if you, would, if you would come back. Man, well, okay, Christ our coming king is going to be a four-parter now. It's okay. Hey, we wrestle against flesh. Don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But you know what the adversary uses to come against you? Flesh and blood. He uses people. You know what's amazing? God uses people. God uses people. The adversary uses people. But when there is something in your life, when there is a person in your life, when there is a family member in your life that is resisting, that's fighting, that's wrecking havoc, that's when you go to God in prayer and you wrestle against the principalities and powers that are binding that person and you pray and you pray until God sets them free and changes your circumstance. God desires us to pray. How often should we pray? The Bible says pray without ceasing, continually, Pray about everything. Pray often. Pray every time that situation comes into your mind. And don't pray against the person. Pray against the spirit that is binding that person, that that person can be set free. Have God take control of that circumstance. And you'll be amazed at what God will do. Would you stand with me? Okay, you're going to have to trust me on this one. I had this amazing closing today. But I didn't make it. The horse we were riding had short legs. But I promise you, we'll get there next week. But I want you to leave you with this thought. The adversary hates you. He is a liar. And he wants to destroy you, but we're on the winning side. Christ always speaks truth and hope and love.